So last night I was sitting on my front steps as I have done a lot lately. Um, I don't know if it sort of like gives me the impression that I'm connected to my neighbors, um, but I was sitting there and reviewing some of my notes and kind of thinking and reflecting. And then all of a sudden I heard pop! And like across the street from me, this big boom and then firework came down. I literally jumped in my chair. And I kind of like had this moment where I tensed up and I realized after I breathed, okay, maybe I'm still a little on edge. Maybe you felt that way lately too. There's been a lot that's happened in the last couple months, y'all. A lot that's happened in our country and in our city. I mean, you could run down the list with, with the murder of George Floyd, with peaceful protesting of thousands, with rioting and fires and looting. And oh yeah, a precinct got taken over, by the way. And then you could look at millions of millions of dollars of damage. You could look at constant helicopters flying low overhead. A lot has happened. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm still on edge. There's an essential truth of the Christian faith that this cultural moment is offering to us. And it's one that I see towards the end of Ephesians chapter 6. So we're actually going to skip over a few sections and we're going to work on chapter 6. We'll get back to the other stuff. But I wanted to start here today because I think if we miss the simple truth of this cultural moment, it will affect our church and our growth individually and corporately for a long time. And the simple truth is this. Creation's in conflict. Creation is in conflict. I think that's been a little bit apparent over the last several months. And I don't want to hide from that, but help you see it in the truth of the scriptures. That bass line's nice. <laughs> this is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We'll come back to that. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the, pre in the heavenly places. Hey, welcome to church again. <laughs> we are going to dive into the deep end with this stuff because I want you to see that all of creation is in conflict. This phrase... At the, at the verse at verse 11, put on, should be familiar to us if you've been studying Ephesians. Of course, chapter 4 was, it's all about clothing, right? We're to put on because uh, our new self created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness and goodness. We're to put on the new clothing of Christ and we're to put off 
all of our old former ways of darkness. That's the same language here. But instead of putting on clothing, we're supposed to put on armor because there's a battle. But not just any kind of armor. Like the word here is actually comprehensive armor. Not like, like take up a sword and start fighting or, or like get your fist. It's like, no, front side for the offensive, back side for the defensive, every tool in your arsenal, put it on, let's go. Because it's not like the battle is such that you can see it over there and when I feel ready, I'll just sort of approach the front lines. The reality of creation and conflict is that the battle goes on all around us. And we need a comprehensive suit of armor in order to defend against the schemes. The schemes, which is craftiness, deception, lie, this sort of sneaky enemy that, as other scriptures say, prowls around like a lion. You know, one of the greatest schemes, I think, that the, the devil himself can work for our church community and then the broader community at large is to completely misunderstand the conflict. Meaning, one of the schemes or lies about the conflict is that it's all really about us and them. So many people assume the conflict is us versus them. And there's something within our culture as a country that buys this pervasive lie that us and them is at the root and source of the real conflict in our world. And that, that is the scheme of a false righteousness, of even a self-righteousness that says, me, if I choose the right side, can be against those who choose the wrong side. And all of a sudden, from the gate, there's division of humanity rather than unity of humanity. Us and them is the very mindset of self-righteousness. It is that thing in us that says, I sort of feel good when I feel like I'm in the right corner. And if I can contrast myself to those I feel are in the wrong corner, if I can even then start to signal and sign my position versus theirs, all of a sudden, my sense of self and identity is bolstered. But us against them is not the conflict. That's a scheme of the enemy. Also not the conflict is me against the world. Me against the world is not the conflict. Right? The scheme of individualism is just as powerful that reads a passage like this and looks at the world saying, the world is a story about me and my potential and my development. The scheme of individualism says, yes, yes, pastor, I need battle, I need armor for my life. My life has challenges. My work has temptations. My story needs sheltering and shielding. What this is about is me being safe. There's a way of reading the scriptures that is so thoroughly individualistic that it misses the very core of the message. God help me in my fight. B 
Be a cheerleader for my battle. Give me your armor so my victory can be achieved. It's a scheme against the enemy to completely miss the conflict. But what is the conflict? Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This word wrestle is sort of a synonym for contest, battle, struggle. And did you catch what the struggle is with? Present darkness. Evil powers in the heavens. This word present darkness actually gets at a realm, a territory of darkness that is corrupt morally and wicked spiritually. It is, it is an area, a physical area, a territory. And then, of course, you've got not just a realm, but you've got a ruler, a power of evil at work within the world. Present darkness, realm, area, present and powerful evil, ruler. Both dynamics are going on and, and they're at the core of the conflict. But my concern is that we as a church and that many in our society don't have eyes to see the conflict in a physical way and in a spiritual way. That what's needed is for us to accurately diagnose the source of the problem in order to present a helpful solution. But I'm convinced sometimes... The only way you see the source is when you experience the solution. You guys ever been to a mechanic for your car? And they're like, well, it could be this, or I might have to try and fix that, and then this, and it could be this part over here. And you get the sense that they just don't actually know the source of what's going on. <laughs> Maybe you don't go to mechanics like that. I try not to, too. But, but that's often the way it works with a car, is sometimes there's a number of things that could be going on, and you have to get to the source of what the problem is. And sometimes you only realize it when you fix the part and then the symptom, sp symptom stops. Maybe I can give you a personal example. I've had stomach issues for almost a decade since college is when I started noticing them, off and on. And um, not probably as you know fervently as I should, but we've tried different dietary options and you know, vitamins and that kind of stuff. And it only occurred to me a few years ago what might actually be the source. So um, a few years ago, my family and my in-laws went on a several week vacation in which we traveled and then ate all different kinds of food, tons of food that wouldn't be good for my digestive system and all, you know, like things that had been sort of like harmful to me in the past before. And you know what the oddest thing was? I had no symptoms. And it was there in the moment that I realized that most of my problems were stress-related rather than diet-related. That I feel stress in my gut. 
And it was only an experience of the solution, a stress-free environment, that helped me begin to identify the problem, my own stress level and how I handle it. However, here's the deal. I'm concerned that many professing Christians cannot see the problem. Many professing Christians cannot see the problem because they've bought into a scheme rather than a solution. Perhaps what's more normal than the full gospel of Jesus is a scheme that says I should take the moral high ground and then I will be in the right position in contrast to those who are in the wrong position. After all, the religion wants me to be a good person, right? A scheme, not the solution. Or perhaps some have bought into the scheme of an individualized storyline where Jesus is your mascot cheering you along in your journey for your story. He is the helper in all of your battles. A scheme, not the solution. Because in an individualistic frame of mind, you can't see any communal issues, any structural problems. Perhaps the scheme has been that the gospel is really just a spiritual thing about a vertical relationship. A scheme, not the full solution. Or perhaps you're ready to throw out the gospel altogether because of the present physical situations of life to which the gospel seems to have no hope. Have you bought into a scheme and missed the solution? What's the conflict again? There's a realm of darkness and a ruler of power who is evil. What's the solution? Well, so the solution is the good news of Jesus, but maybe not the good news of Jesus that you've heard. Because the good news of Jesus involves a ruler and a realm. The good news of Jesus involves a king and a kingdom. That's why Jesus came on the scene saying, repent and believe the good news of what? The kingdom. If your relationship with God has no space for a dominion, a place, a physical place that's affected by the rule of Jesus, then it's not, the, it's not the gospel Jesus came teaching. He's the one who came on the scene saying, the kingdom is here, and I am the king. And they killed him for it. And he rose in victory to prove it. Part of what I want to see as a church is us to begin to think about issues both vertically and horizontally, because we have a king in Jesus who is the rightful ruler of all creation, and yet who is advancing a domain, a kingdom of goodness, righteousness, light, and truth. If you didn't catch it in the beginning of verse 10, where it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Paul's basically saying, hey, remember, remember chapter one. Remember chapter one. 
chapter 1, which says, I don't cease to pray for you, church, Paul is saying, remembering you always that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Man, I've been praying that this moment, this cultural moment, would be an eye-opening, heart-enlightening season for us as a church and for our society and our country. That's what we need. Eyes open to see what? The hope to which he's called you. The hope of a new king with a new kingdom creating a new humanity that will address all of the vertical ills and all of the horizontal injustices within our world. That's who Jesus is. And Paul goes on. He says, this king and his kingdom is our inheritance. It's what's coming to us who believe. And we must remember what the immeasurable greatness of his power is toward us according to the working of his great might that's Ephesians 6 great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him and seated him in the heavenly places see the parallel and he seated him what far above all rules and authorities above powers and dominions above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come and he put all things under his feet The gospel of Jesus is our hope. Not because it erases any desire or need for tangible, practical peace. Not because it only addresses vertical justice. But because Jesus, the King of justice, has come to rule and to expand a realm of peace and goodness, of light and of truth. And we're called to contribute to the work of advancing his kingdom, caring about spiritual things and physical things, and not buying the scheme that the spiritual world and the physical world are disconnected and different. But that one day the Lord Jesus will sum them all up together in great joy and peace and righteousness and justice. It's our hope for this present moment and our hope for always that Jesus is King and that his kingdom has come and it will come in full.